This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Grief Relief Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and Heidi is in the studio with me today. Hi, Mom. I'm here in San Francisco. It's great to be here. So today we are, we've got a really important interview because uh, we're going to be talking to a friend of ours who's done some wonderful advocacy work, and you are going to know who it is when we tell you what her name is, and you're going to know about the organization. But I hope today from this show what you will get is the things that you can do to move yourself forward and to empower how people empower themselves. And uh, Heidi and I have both looked at the world of grieving, and we've decided that one of the things that we really all want, and I wanted after um, my son Scott was killed in an automobile accident, I wanted to feel empowered, and I, I wanted to be able to find out how to bring things into my life rather than uh, dealing with this huge loss and hole that I had. So We'll talk a little bit about that and, and when you might do it and how you might do it. So, Heidi, you want to introduce our guest? I would love to. And like you said, Mom, our guest is a powerhouse in the world, and she has saved so many lives, and she has done it as a tribute to her daughter, Kari. And our guest today is Candace Leitner, and we are going to talk with Candace about death and the hero's journey. Candace Leitner founded Mothers Against Drunk Driving, known as MAD, in 1980 after the death of her daughter, Kari. She continues working both nationally and internationally to promote highway safety. She is the founder and executive director today of We Save Lives, working on the three Ds, drunk, drugged, and distracted driving. And we are honored to have her in our studio. Welcome. Well, actually, not in our studio, but on our show today. Welcome, Candace. Hi, and thank you for having me. It's, it's so good having you on and uh, touching base with you now. You, your daughter was hit by a drunk driver, and he had been picked up before for drunk driving. And you found out what was this? What year was this? Nineteen eighty-two or no? This was nineteen eighty. And nineteen eighty was killed. Yeah, she was killed on May third of nineteen eighty when he was out on bail from another hit and run drunk driving crash and had had I think four prior arrests. For drunk driving, so he was a multiple repeat offender, and I and I learned the chances of him going deep in jail or prison were very slim, even after killing Carrie. So that's what prompted me to start mad. And you started it right away. I mean, you started it after three days, and that's one of the things I want to explore with you because for people that are listening to the show, they've had a loss and they want to come out and do something. And and what's your thought about you started it after three days? Is that for everybody, or how does it go? No, no. You know, it's really interesting because I met people, obviously, in the time that I was with Matt and worked with victims of other crimes afterwards, and in which there were some people I wanted to say, you know, you need to grieve first. You really need to take some time off and just grieve because sometimes you become a professional victim, especially when you jump right into something and it becomes your life and it becomes your obsession and that's how you're identified. And then I met other people who would start, for example, a mad chapter fairly quickly after their child died, but they would stay, they would do their thing for one year, and then they would leave. 
and move on, which I thought was admirable. And then other people that I, I would actually advise and say, why don't you wait a year, you know, before you get involved? And so I wouldn't recommend immediately jumping into something unless it's maybe just changing a law. Um, but starting a movement or becoming a chapter or doing something that's really long-term, I, I honestly wouldn't until you've had some time to grieve and deal with the death. You know, it's interesting you're talking about changing a law because I know that uh, uh, there's been some things that went on in New York City where uh, a child was hit by a cab and Heidi's been involved with it. One of the problems with waiting in some situations is if you don't work on changing the law when it happens, there just is not the inertia and the public outcry to get that to happen. That's so true. You lose the momentum. So. I have a friend, for example, in Virginia whose daughter was killed by a, a highway patrol person, a Florida highway patrol, who ran a red light on an emergency, supposedly it really wasn't, but didn't have her sirens on. And my friend started immediately in trying to change the law in Virginia and and actually successfully sued the police department. But that's all she did. She didn't start a movement. She didn't start an organization. She simply focused on this bill, and she was successful. It took her some time. And by the way, she was somebody who never got involved in anything. Um, She would be the last person that I ever would have expected to do this, and she did, and I admire her greatly for it. But that's what she did, and that's really all she did. But it was momentous, believe me. But, I mean, she didn't, you know, and she took some years, by the way, to get this done. It wasn't an easy thing to do in Virginia. But she was very focused on that issue, and she was successful. So, you know, if it comes to changing a law or policy or getting a street sign up or uh, sidewalks in or crosswalks painted, then to me you have to, unfortunately, you have to do it while the momentum is there. That if it comes to starting an organization, of which I get many calls of people who want to do that, or, you know, something along those lines, then I don't think it's always advisable to do it right away. You know, I uh, Scott was killed in 1983, and I did not even work in the grief world at all. I um, was a, th- a family therapist, and I did work with grieving families and that kind of thing as a family therapist, and I focused on in-law issues, which was kind of fun, and wrote a book about that. But... Um, when the internet came along and I retired, all of a sudden I said, "Wow, we could impact so many grieving people, uh, grieving people with open to hope." But I, you know, didn't have that that sorrow in it. I did have uh, quite a space in between doing that. But um, so people can think about when they do things. But I know one of the things I've heard you say before is um, there are so many organizations that you could join to help rather than starting your own too. I do, and it's. <laughs> really funny because, you know, I'll get a call from someone and it could be the victim of sexual violence or whatever, and they want to start a movement. And, I, you know, there's like hundreds of groups out there, and some of them I mentor. And so I'll say to them, you know, before you do this, you need to look at what's out there um, because it might be much easier to join an already existing organization. And it's fascinating, the responses that come back to me. Well, they don't do exactly what I want to do. And and I'll say to them, well, why don't you ask them to do exactly what you want to do and suggest that you maybe start that effort? Or, you know, it's just not the same thing. And, you know, I it's really hard for people to understand how much work a nonprofit is. Exactly. You're for dollars from thousands and hundreds of thousands of already existing, established, successful nonprofits. 
Um, you know, it just really makes more sense if you can find some group that is doing either the same thing you want to do or something similar and join with them than it is to go off on your own. Um, but I don't know how successful I have been in convincing people to do that. I honestly think most people, for whatever reason, you know, really prefer to just kind of launch their own thing. So what can you say? So I know that now you've gone from mad to we save lives, Candace. And and I and it's so exciting to see everything that you're doing and, and all the lives that you're changing. So if people want to tell us a little bit about We Save Lives and how people could get involved if they're out there, people like my friend Dana, whose son Cooper was run over, people that want to get involved with your organization. What is it exactly, We Save Lives? Well, number one, it's not, uh, it's not a chapter-based group like NAD was. Once was enough, believe me. Um, <laughs> so, we don't have, yeah. so we don't have chapters all over the country, although you certainly can, you know, get involved and sign up and uh, become a member, and we certainly take contributions. And um, But we're really here more as an advocacy group and a partner group. And one of the things that I found and one of the reasons I started WeSaveLives.org is because... Um, as I was getting back into the highway safety movement, I found that a lot of organizations were simply not working together. They were working very isolated, and they were not nearly as successful as they could have been. So my feeling was the more um, we join together, especially when we all have common goals, and that's saving lives on our highways, um, the more impactful we'll be. And, for example, right now we're working on um, zero per se legislation, and you'll see that go up on our website fairly soon. I'm working on that today. And that is where it's for drug driving. So you know how we have a point zero eight per se for drunk driving. Well, right now, it literally is illegal to drive under the influence of drugs in every state that does not have a per se law or per se bill. And, and, and when you don't have it, it makes it very difficult to prosecute, it's harder to arrest, etc. And with drug driving increasing as much as it is, and in some cases more so than drunk driving, we need to have effective legislation. So... I am reaching out to all of our partners, as you well know, because you're one of our partners, um, asking those who support this legislation to let us know so that we can put it on the website. So when a state or legislator wants to do something about this, they can look at We Save Lives Start and go, wow, ONDCP supports this GHSA, you know, the Sheriff's Association, the Police Association Open to Hope, and they can realize that it is something positive that they need to do. Now, if I am, I'm listening to this show and I'm thinking, well, I'm just a little individual. Can I help you? And I've had this happen in my life, and I've been thinking about that I want to do something about it. Is there something I can do to help you? Well, if you have a story to tell, we're very, very interested in your stories. Um, and we have a partner organization called DUID, um, Voices of Victims, I think, I just joined with us. And they also are looking for stories of drug driving victims. It means that you, and you'll see this on our website, you can look and find out what, what your state is doing. You'll look at a map. You can go into your map, your California, and you'll find out what they're doing on particular legislation. You can then write your legislator um, a letter of support. Um, you can ask your friends to do the same thing. As I said, we are education and advocacy. So it's um, so you can definitely get involved from an advocacy viewpoint. 
by supporting the legislation that we support and helping us get it off the ground. I really like what you're saying, because if I'm listening to this show, I want to tell my story. I want to tell how my loved one was killed by drug, uh, drug driver or whatever, and I want or that drug story. Or driving or distracted. Yeah. By okay, yeah. Dr- distracted. Well, a lot of that's going I, I was going to say, I love that you've included distracted driving, because I've got to tell you, I live in midtown Manhattan, and I am often the passenger in taxis, and I cannot tell you, Candace, how often I get in a cab and the driver is texting. It happens all the time. Oh, I, I make, hey, Heidi, I, I go to New York, mm-hmm. and I make them stop. Absolutely. As soon as I get in, you are not allowed to use your phone. You are not allowed to, um, you know, communicate, text, or whatever. If you have any communications, do it now while we're stopped. I have only had one taxi driver give me a hard time in both New York and Washington, D.C., and the rest go, okay. I love and it. they don't. And... I yeah, love that you're that you're saying that you're something saying because something. this is this is our life, our life. or the lives or the of lives you know innocent you know, pedestrians innocent that might be crossing the street. Exactly. Well, and the thing of it is, one of the things we're going to get more into with We Save Lives is the encouraging what we call the courage to intervene. Um, we're going to establish an award, and that's not just for people like yourself, but for teenagers. Um, you know, who see somebody drugging and driving, drinking and driving, distracted driving, speeding and driving, although we focus on the three Ds, we do deal with other traffic safety issues. And we want to encourage people to have the courage to intervene, to to keep someone else, like in your case, to keep the taxi driver from doing something that's dangerous. And it's called intervening with dangerous behavior. So if more people have the courage to intervene, more people would realize this is unacceptable behavior, and they would stop. Candace, I want to thank you for being on the show today, and I hope that people who are listening to this show will get in touch with you, that they'll go to your site, wesavelives.org, and That's they will... And like us on Facebook. Right? And like you on Facebook. Okay. Yes, and tweet us at Voice for Safety, whatever. <laughs> okay, tweet at Voice for Safety. Great. Because I think that you could really, you know, you know the passion when you've had a loss this way. And, uh, wow, I just think there must be a lot of people that could be listening to this that would want to throw their, themselves behind this effort with you because I think it's tremendous. And thank you so much for, again, impacting our world. Thanks, Candace. You have saved so many lives, and we do thank you from the bottom of our heart. And I know you, and, and Carrie is doing as much in her death as she did in her life to change the world. Thank you again. I appreciate that, because I believe it, too. Absolutely. Well, Heidi, uh, Candace is such an inspiration. She is a hero and uh, just shows what you can do from the depths of, of the despair and uh, having terrible things happen to your life, how you can come in and help other people and build on that. Absolutely. She is a great example of someone that has transformed their lives, maintained a continuing bond with her daughter, and found hope again despite what has happened to her. Thank you today for listening to our show, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. 
check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.